Hello and welcome to a podcast about something. Today we're talking old school video games as part one of a three or four part series. We'll see. Um, I have got Dan from the Save Point podcast. Dan, you want to introduce yourself and your podcast a little bit? Well, first off, thank you for having me, Calvin. This is uh, this is awesome. This is my first guest appearance on a different person's podcast. So, so I thank you for having I'm me. Glad to have you. Thank you. Um, but no, as you said, I am a part. I'm the host of the Save Point podcast. Uh, basically, we just talk about what's going on in the industry of video games uh, for that week, uh, what we feel, uh, you know, rumors and such, and reviews and what we're playing. Uh, you can find us on Podbean. Just uh, if you actually go into Google and just put in the Save Point podcast, we are actually the first ones that pop up. Uh, so, um, so yeah, please download us. Uh, you can find us on iTunes, Google, uh, Spotify, really any anywhere that you can find a podcast. Just put in the Save Point podcast, and you'll find us. Awesome. Yeah, check them out. Like I said, we're going to talk old school video games today. Um, this is going to be a three or four part series. I, I don't know how deep we're going to go into old school, but this is part one. Um, we're just going to take a journey through video games of the past with different video game podcasters. We've got Dan from the Save Point this week, and uh, we're going to have somebody next month to do you know, part two, and then we'll have a third person do part three. And if there's a part four, who knows we'll be here. Um, but basically, uh, in each episode, we're going to be discussing a different generation of gaming and what it meant to the gaming community at the time and what it means to the gaming community now. Um, we'll be talking about what we like and dislike about each generation and mostly um, at-home consoles, maybe a little handheld. And for this one, we're doing um, arcade and basically anything before the NES console at home. So mm -hmm. Atari, Commodore 64, uh, Apple II, really anything like that that you would have played on before the NES really broke ground and got in pretty much everyone's houses. Absolutely, absolutely. I, uh, I, have, uh, I have extensive knowledge of, of some of these consoles that came out pre-NES, so... Can't wait. That's that's great because the only one I played, and we'll talk about this a little later, the only one I ever played was Atari. We had an Atari, um, so that was the only one I played, but I spent a lot of time at arcades playing different arcade games. So yep. I'll, I'll focus more on that when uh, when we get to it. Sounds good. Yeah, the first thing I wanted to talk about was what do you think the main difference between games of today and like retro pre-internet games uh let's call them that not not just arcade and nes but basically anything before the internet connectivity of the internet uh brought people together in that way i think uh i think there's two big differences um and one is obviously the the overarching one and that's that's the graphics obviously graphics have come such a, a tremendous leap from from what retro gaming was uh, from the 8-bit, you know, to 16-bit, to 32-bit, to 64, all the way up to now we're getting whatever, you know, the 4K native or 4K, you know, upscaled, what, whatever it is now. Uh, so I think just obviously just the detail that they're able to put into games is, is probably the biggest difference. Uh, but I think the other one, too, is that, uh, and maybe people sometimes don't think of this, is when you bought a retro game, um, back then that was the game that you got um you know yeah that that was it that was what was done that was the code that was put into it and that's what you got glitches and all now we have this this fascination and i think that sometimes it's a 
depending on how it's done, I think sometimes it's it's the you could call it laziness on a developer, but you, some people call it smarts on a developer is to get a is to get a game out, but then we can patch it. You know, then we can put a patch note in. We have a, a day one patch or a day zero patch, and um, and, and I, I like that. But sometimes it, it gets bogged down because of the internet, because of bottlenecks, and everybody's trying to to buy the game. I mean, how many times have we seen a game? that needs some form of online interconnectivity and we can't play it because servers are, are congested or the download is not happening or the download takes, you know, 12 hours on something that should take an hour. I remember when I got my PS4, I was all ready to play and I had to wait like three hours for, I, I probably got it two weeks after it released. So there were probably four new patches that had to go in, mm-hmm. uh, in two weeks. And it, you know, I got it and you got to wait, four hours to play that's not fair and then you put your game in and that's got to download and that takes another hour to get it you know day zero patches or whatever and it, you, you can't just pick it up and play that that's the thing the biggest difference i see is like the pickup and playability like i have console uh, consoles in my house going or i have emulators going back to nes i have a main arcade at emulator and like anytime i want i can just jump in and out of those games with the emulators you can use save points and stuff like that which sometimes i do sometimes i don't sometimes it's just fun to start at the beginning of the game and and see how far you can play in an hour and then you got to go and it's no big deal but like with games today it's like all right i want to jump in and play oh it needs an update that's you know five minutes at least that i'm not getting to play and then it's oh let me the controls are so diverse you've got to kind of if you haven't played it in a while, you've got to remember where you were and how yep. The, yep. the controls work. I, I've started, I have a switch and I've started playing Skyrim on the switch mm-hmm. and I'll, I'll go a week or two in between playing, you know, and then I'll play for a week and then I'll put it down and not play for two weeks or so. And then I'll pick it back up. And I, I have to relearn the game every time. And I have no idea where I am in the story or what's going on. And I'll mm-hmm. walk somewhere in Skyrim and all of a sudden, all the guards will be trying to kill me because apparently I stole something in that area the last time I was there. And I'm just like, Oh great. This is fun. Um, so it's not like Mario where you just turn it on and you got to jump on that first Goomba and you're good to go. Exactly. I actually, uh, as, as a little Skyrim story, I uh, bought it on a steam sale. Um, about two or three years ago, I finally was able to afford a, a gaming PC and I'm playing it and playing it and playing it. And then I stopped playing it and I picked it up probably about eight months later. And I'm like, why in the hell did I stop playing Skyrim? And I go on and what happened was I ended up becoming a vampire and because I went through a, a coven and I got bit and I never took care of it. And what I did was uh, the guy that's supposed to cure me, I ended up attacking, but it ended up saving that part. And that was my only save. So every time that I, I opened up the game, I had guards and this guy trying to, trying to kill me because... <laughs> Because I'm a vampire now, so I'm just like I'm I'm just like screw this and and I'm like no I'm done. That's kind of where I am right now is whatever township I'm I'm in that my next mission was in. Apparently I did something pretty bad there, and every time I spawn right now, there's just thirty guards coming after me. So I've tried sneaking around and and getting somewhere where like they're not after me, and I just and you can't you can't fast travel when you're under attack and all that. No. So it's it's been impossible and. Once I finally get out of there, I'll probably play it more. But right now I'm stuck and I'm just like, eh, whatever. I'll play Mario Tennis some more. <laughs> there you go. There you go. That, another thing, you said the, the graphics are one of the things that changed. Um, I assume you still play older video games as well as new games. Does that really make a difference? Like, do you care that when you pick up 
Zelda on NES that it's not Zelda Breath of the Wind. Uh, Breath of the Wild. Wild. Breath of the Wild. Um, I think it depends on the game. So um, I, you know, I was in line and I ended up getting uh, an NES Classic and a Super NES Classic, Um, and it. And I mean, there's certain games. It's like, oh my god, I, you know, I, I pick up the game and I'm, I started playing it, and I'm just like, oh my god, I can't, I can't believe how horrible these graphics are. Um, and it's like, how in, how in the hell did I ever play this? Um, what, what's one of those that you would say going back to it now? That's like, I can't do this because all the ones I've gone back and played, I'm like, eh, it's not that bad. Um, I think. Uh, well, um, I, I want to preface this a little bit that um, I, I did a certain thing to both of them, so I have some some games that didn't necessarily come on them <laughs> yeah i got you. Uh, yeah um so <laughs> i already mentioned my habits so you're no judgment here yeah there you go um so like like i was playing um virtual um uh, what is it the um not virtual i'm sorry the the bart uh, the simpsons one um where he is in his dream state um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, and he has to put the paper, so he has to jump on the papers and all of that. Yeah. And like, I couldn't get the angles or whatever like that, and it's just that game. Yeah, that game is very bad and hard to to get the hang of going back to. Exactly. Um, and then like on on the regular NES, I'll stick with the Simpsons, um, the Alien one. I mean, which was just it was just absolutely so hard to kind of jump because there was no depth to the two D of it. But I don't think that that, you know, it's like I, I can't believe I ever played this game and played it as much as I did because I started to see myself kind of get frustrated with it. But then I take a game like NBA Jam, which was, on, you know, obviously on Super Nintendo and and I love it. I mean, it's the, the, the graphics are so blurry and all of that, but it's just so much fun that Have like you played like the updated versions of MDA jam, like not like they, they did an actual release a few years ago. That was terrible. But um, like the, the remastered versions that they've released in some, um, some like the online shops. I did. I did. And like I said, it kind of, I kind of lose that nostalgia of the game. Like I didn't yeah. have that same feeling, but then I'm playing it on the super Nintendo classic that I have. And I'm like, this is right where I left off. This is this is this is what I loved about it. So I, I think it it, it just kind of comes down to that title of what you want to play. Um, you know, Breath of we'll go back to Zelda. Breath of the Wild is a wonderful, absolute masterpiece of a game. Um, but I wouldn't change Link, the one of the first Zelda games, uh, or the original Zelda, um, where it was just the the scrolling map that you would go back and forth with. I wouldn't change that uh, a thing about it. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mm-hmm. want to see an updated, uh, you know, 3d esque, you know, uh, remaster of that game. You know, it's like, keep that game, the masterpiece that it is. Um, yeah. That would be very weird. Yes. So I, so like I said, I think it really kind of goes down to the type, to the game that you're playing and the preference that you have. So I don't think that graphics make it better nor worse. I just think it's the the preference of of who you are and how you want to see how you want to remember that game. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Like we were talking about with NBA Jam, like if you play those remastered versions, it it just doesn't feel right. But you go back and play on SNES, or you play it. Um, I've got a stand up arcade in my room that I'll play it on all the time, and it I I would much rather do that than play any of the remastered versions. Absolutely, and, absolutely. And even like a game like Crash Bandicoot going 
because they just released the insane trilogy or whatever correct like i've seen videos of that and like i don't want to play it i'd rather I, I still have a playstation 2 i can put the game in there and i would rather play it that way i'm sure they've made some adjustments that are helpful but honestly i'd rather play the original versions of those i'll even throw another one out there um and that was and shit i just lost it <laughs> oh uh, ninja turtles Yes. I mean, you got the original Ninja Turtles that you played. I mean, if you remember any arcade uh, game, the first. Yeah, Ninja we'll get Turtles. to that when we talk about the arcades. But yes. yeah, but I mean, it's that first iconic level of walking through the, the apartment that's on fire, you know. Yep. Um, but then, you know, they released a, kind of the same similar type of game on the PlayStation or the Xbox or whatever it was a couple of years ago. And it's just I like, remember that. I just can't get into it. Like it just does not feel the same. It's not a bad game, but by, by far, I'm not. I'm not trying to to dig on the developer, but it's just like some games are just meant to stay in that retro realm. You know. Yeah. It it wasn't bad. It just wasn't necessary. Like it'd be better just to to play the original game. Correct. And then uh, one one last kind of interview esque question before we jump into the main event. Um, what do you think made retro games so challenging, and is it a good or bad thing? I think what made retro gaming so challenging was was the controller and the limitations that developers had with the controllers. Um, I think the developers wanted to put so much into a game, but realized that they were limited because of how a person could move. Um, also, the size um, of the of the actual game too. So to get back to a controller, I mean, if you look at the Nintendo or if you look at the Sega Master System or even even the Atari, you, you had a joystick and a button or you had basically six buttons that you could work with. So your limitations of what somebody tried to want to do um, sometimes just never would, you know, kind of um, see what developers like thought process thought process was in the game. Like the developer thought, oh, somebody would be able to do this. And some people took years to, to try to figure out, oh, that's what the developer wanted me to do. And it became, it made a lot of retro games very linear. Uh, that whole thought of an, of what of an open world just didn't exist because, and this gets into my second part, is there was just never enough room to make an open world. Um, I mean, you had kind of the ET, but I mean, ET game, uh, what one was absolutely was horrible. Um, but I mean, you could go on one side of the screen to another side of the screen to another side of the screen, but it was basically the same. Like you couldn't put any detail into it, um, so it became just extremely repetitive. So to to have that that thought process of what an open world would be, you know, developers couldn't do it. So I think it became. So then, like I said, it just moves everything into such a linear path that if you miss something, then you have to kind of go all the way back and kind of pick up that thing that you missed. And then go back. So I think that that's what would make the retro gaming so challenging on 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 certain games. Yeah, I, I got you there. And like you're saying with the open world, the the closest games like that I can think of, the only one that was really any good is probably Legend of Zelda, which is kind of an open world where you can go wherever, but it's still you go in a line one way and you realize you made a mistake and you have to go in that line back to to find where you were. Um, and then there was like the I don't know if you ever played the Jurassic Park game for yep. NES, which is just a dumpster fire. It, yep. It's a completely open world. You can go wherever you want, but you, there's nowhere you want to go. Like it doesn't make any yeah, it doesn't, sense. It, there's no reason to go anywhere besides just on the on the path that they want you to go. And to go back to Zelda, mm -hmm. I mean Zelda. I, I mean I agree with you to a point, but you really Zelda is just a big maze. 
That's really all it is. That makes yeah, it makes more sense. It's it's more of a maze than a an open world. You have to find the right so, way to uh, go. So I I would I would call it more of a of a I mean you could call it per se an action game because of what they were able to do back then, but it was more of a puzzler. Yeah. The world is a puzzle rather than a go wherever you want, do whatever you want. You had to figure out you had to figure out the right path to get to the end in the most efficient Correct. way. Which I never got to the end of Legend of Zelda, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think that, and then one of my big things is is no save points. I mean, that's the hardest thing is you got your four lives, Yep. and if you run out of them, you're done. Well, and you, it, it, it was always interesting to find ways that games made it possible to extend those four lives, besides, you know, putting in cheat codes like in Contra and in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game, there was a code to get 30 lives. But, but aside from that, you kind of had to find your way to survive while also actually surviving the the pitfalls of the exactly. game. Exactly. Um, and I, I I think that made it interesting. Games, ad- adventure games nowadays, they dumb it way down. They can tell that you're not a very strong player, or they can tell that I'm not a very strong player from time mm-hmm. to time. And, like, the challenge will be really hard the first time, and then you die and you go back to it you die again and then the third time it's like wow this is really easy how come i couldn't do that like they're just trying to prevent everyone from throwing their controllers across the room mm-hmm. and that's not as fun sometimes no, not at sometimes all. it's fun to get mad and to try and figure out the answer like there's always an answer to make that battle easier you just have to find it and like i i think a lot of modern games kind of spoon feed that to you if you lose enough times they don't make you actually figure out the answer i know there are some that like the dark souls and things like that that will keep challenging you and make it harder and harder but uh, most games are going the other way they want people to win them rather than to they want they want to tell their story that they put so much money into building and writing that they don't they don't care whether it's actually challenging exactly exactly i it just i i agree with you 100 percent with with just what what you said there it's it's just um, you know, the, the other thing that I kind of want to bring up, too, is that you brought up kind of that there's no save points. Um, you got to kind of also realize, too, is that the reason that there's no save points is these games were so short, you know, and they were so because you only once again, you only had so much room because there was so much processing power inside mm-hmm. the console. So they can only make them so big. Uh, so to actually, you know, when, when the PlayStation came out or, or, you know, even to the point of saving on cartridges like, like the first Super Mario Brothers, that was kind of unheard of because it's like, oh, I can pick up the game where I left off, you know, uh, and I don't have to start all over again. Um, so that I think that that was one of the there's very few things that are leaps and bounds that kind of change the industry uh, when it came to when it came to video games. And I think ironically be, you know with us being called the save point was the invention of the save point yeah it's it's a great thing to have but at the same time you have to keep your game challenging like legend of zelda had save points you could mm-hmm. it it would save at different points and you could pick, kind of pick up where you left off but it i think you i think the way it worked is you started back where you say you, you started you, i think you started at the beginning correct. but you had all your items correct right? you had all your items but you always yeah, you always started back at the first cave where you got the first sword right so you had to you still had to figure out the puzzle that was the maze of the correct. game um which was the the actual challenge of the legend of zelda it wasn't these little guys that you just have to stab once with your sword it's how do you get 
where's the actual end and how do you get there? Exactly. And can you remember the way? Exactly. So let's jump into uh, the meat and potatoes. Like I said, we're going to do um, basically stand-up arcade games and um, any any at-home console, uh, pre-NES console. So let's start at the arcade. Uh, what was your go-to style of game? Tournament fighters, sports, um, just like your Contra beat 'em up game, racing, top-down shooters. What what did you always go for when you go to the arcade? I, I usually, I think it depended on my mood, but I usually had uh, three different ones, and and it's not going to surprise anybody. Um, I love the the Street Fighter, the tournament fighter type sort of games. Um, that was mm-hmm. great. Um, sports games, and then I liked, when it came to the arcades, I like actually having the gun in my hand and, and shooting, you know, so... Oh, the 3D, the 3D shooters, 3D shooters. Yeah. Um, I always found it kind of fun to step on a pedal or, or pick the, you know, pick the uh, the weapon up and then, you know, aim it, and that's when you came out. I, I always kind of like those. Um, as far as those, I think Virtual Cop was one of my really favorite shooter games um, that you had. Um it was uh, uh, sports. Hands down was was Blitz. God, I loved to play Blitz. That was mm-hmm. so much fun. Um, and then I think for the tournament fighters, it's always a toss up between Mortal Kombat and Marvel versus Capcom. Those, those were always those were always the the biggest ones. Street Fighter a little bit, but I I, I weaned my my talents towards those two more. Yeah, I I would always go for. Um... I'd usually go for the beat 'em ups first, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Simpsons, those kind of mm-hmm. games. And then I really liked um, racing games. Uh, what the actual sit sit in the car, driving, steering, everything like that. I've always been drawn to the racing games. I don't really know why. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I would I would dabble in the tournament fighters. I'm not very good at them in sports. The only sports games I would play are Blitz or NBA Jam. I wouldn't mm-hmm. like I wouldn't go and play Madden and and all that in. In an arcade, like I'd play Madden at home, then, yeah, and that's yep. fine. So you talked about uh, the tournament fighters were some of your favorite, and you said Marvel versus Cop- Capcom, and what was the other uh, one? Mortal Kombat, hands down. Mortal Kombat's. Who is who is your go-to fight? Let's go uh, the let's go with the major four. So Street Fighter, Mortal Kombat, Tekken, and Marvel versus Capcom. Who is your top fighter that you choose in each one? So uh, Marvel versus Capcom, my my. Top two, and I usually it was a third. It was a three-person tag team. Um, my third person, I could care less mm-hmm. who, who I took. Sometimes I, I usually used uh, uh, was it the character from Striker, um, so that ninja. Um, I can never okay. remember yeah. his name um, or say it correctly. Um, but my two, my two were Wolverine and Spider-Man. Um, one, I, I I have such a love for Spider-Man. I have been a Spider-Man freak since. Um, uh, Spiderhead, whatever you want to call it, since since I knew what Spider-Man was or who he was, I'm with you on that one. But I I never liked playing Marvel vs. Capcom with Spider-Man. Like I've always found him a little too weak in spi- in those games. Speed, man. And he's kind of hard to to get his moves down. Yeah, correct. It was all about speed. I would always go with Gambit and Venom. Oh, there you go. Okay. And maybe that's why I'm, that's maybe why that's why I'm terrible at this game. But well, Venom was extremely slow. People don't realize that you know people thought that Venom was going to move yeah. as fast as Spider-Man was, and and he didn't. Um, so uh, you had that, and then like I said, Wolverine, just because of once again just how fast Wolverine can move. I love the fast moving. Um, I've never been a tanky guy. I've never been a, a big brawler uh, when it came to really any type of games. Um, you know, I like being the rogue. I like being the may the mage. 
um, that could sit back and, 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 you know, pick you off from other areas. So, so the plate to use these type of characters in, in Marvel versus Capcom just kind of fit my bill of, of, yeah, I might have to hit the button 20 or 30,000 more times, but I'm okay with that. <laughs> you know, that, that's the character that I chose. Um, you said, uh, and that's the way I, I kind of lean that same way now too. Um, going with the the speed over, like I'm never gonna play with Sentinel. No. You know, one of one of those guys where they're just huge. And then like in the Injustice series now, I'll I'll play with like Catwoman or the Flash over a lot of you know beefier exactly. heroes because they you can get your moves in a lot faster and it's easier to land them. I always yep. think. Um, as far as Tekken goes. Um, honestly, I couldn't. I couldn't really even name you a person in Tekken because I had never played it. It never, it never really caught my interest um, to to play Tekken. Um, I know that it's- Tekken was one of my favorites, but that was on that was more on the at home consoles on PlayStation. Um, I would play with Eddie a lot, and he's just he's like a. He dance he dance fights basically, and you could just string together as one combo all day, and I would do yep. that. Um, I, I think I think the thing that that kind of threw me with Tekken was that it was more of that close encounter um, type sort of fighting melee, and I always thought it was a waste of a quarter or two quarters when I would play it because I, I just could never get it. I could never get in, and anytime that I did, I was always blocked. And I think I played it about. I, I, I think honestly, in the arcade, I think I played it maybe maybe ten times. Um, th- that I could possibly even try to remember, and I and after at some point, and you know, I, I don't know if I can swear, but I mean, basically, it's just, I just said fuck it, you know. I'm just like, no, I, I can't do it. Yeah. Um. So, like I said, I just Tekken Tekken never really grabbed me. There's always a a strict delineation. There's a strict delineation between um types of fighting games. Like you got your Marvel versus Capcom and Street Fighter that are big into combos mm-hmm. and you know, knowing how to swing the joystick correctly. And then you've got like Tekken and Mortal Kombat where it's the, the combos come more from the button mashing than mm-hmm. the, mm-hmm. the joystick movement. And so I've always leaned more towards uh Tekken Mortal Kombat type mm-hmm. play than where it's dependent on the, the buttons you're pushing more than the, the way you're moving the joystick. I don't, that's always stuck with my, my hands are more dexterous that way, yep. I guess. So it's always interesting to see which type of fighting game you like, because that'll, that'll say, like I know if you like Tekken, then I can pri- and I like uh, Street Fighter, then I can probably beat you in a Street Fighter in Street Fighter because your hands aren't going to move. Correct, right. and 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 that's that's a really interesting you know pick on there. You know, to us talking about like the big four games. Um, you're right. Uh, you got the Tekken and Mortal Kombat, which is more of the the heavy combo on the right side, um, and then you got more of the heavy joystick movement on the left side um, for the other two. Um, uh, for more, you know, Marvel versus Capcom and Street Fighter. Ironically, though, my favorite one out of all of these, uh, and the next one, you know, with my character is Mortal Kombat. Um, I loved, I love, absolutely love Mortal Kombat, and maybe just because I kind of have that mindset that I kind of like blood and gore. Uh, <laughs> I always thought that was cool. Um, and then um, uh, my my character there was always Raiden. Um, obviously, everybody knew the the back back. B or whatever it was for for Scorpion, and you could cheese the game. And I always thought that that was kind of cheating and kind of kind of shitty that that's what people would do. Um, so I took it mm-hmm. upon myself to want to learn a different character, and I learned Raiden. And I've played as Raiden really on a, any type of Mortal Kombat that's come out that he's been in. I've always kind of mastered his moves. Um, I love the the whole lightning thing. I love the 
Um, I mean, he's all about diversion, if you, if you really think about it. He's about diversion, trying to get behind you and trying to electrocute the shit out of you um, for it or pushing you away from him and then, you know, moving around. So if you really understand the, the strategy of, of that character, he becomes a very, very powerful character for you. Um, so that, that was mine in, in Mortal Kombat. Yeah, I would always go with one of the ninjas, uh, usually Reptile because I like green the mm-hmm. best, um, but Reptile and Sub-Zero were probably my main two because I, I wasn't ever good with Scorpion. Um, not that I was very good with the others, but um, I, I just, I don't know, I liked, I liked looking at them more than, I guess, the other ones, the other characters, but as I've grown older and played it and kind of played with different people, I, I think you're right, Raiden's probably the best one to go with and figure out how to if, if you figure out Raiden's moves you can beat almost anybody because like you said he can go back and forth he use the lightning moves he, he has his superman fly across the exactly the move that is very difficult to stop um and if you and if they do block that then you just uh teleport behind him and hit him with the uppercut that way so i as i've grown older and and figured out how to play these games a little better that Raiden's my go-to now but it used to be reptile and sub-zero right. very nice um, and then Street Fighter was, um, I, I don't if people pronounce it, I, I pronounce it Ryu. Um, go with yeah, that. Yeah, go with that. Okay. That's how but, I've always, that's how um, I've always. I've heard Ryu, I've heard, you know, whatever. Um, which if you actually want to just side note, if you ever want to watch something extremely funny, um, I, do you know who Pete Holmes is, the comedian? I think I've seen him. He's before. the one that has like if if you pull it up, it's the bad bad Batman um spoofs. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. he has one yeah. where he's um he is the claims adjuster for insurance for the tour since Street Fighter's a tournament. So he's the insurance guy for the tournament, so he's registering the fighters. Um so people are coming in as different Street Fighters and um he's kinda talking about them and the guy that played Ryu is uh, Mark uh, Mark Paul Gossler, which if you remember who he is, he's Zach Morris mm-hmm. from Saved by the Bell. So he's all he's all yeah. dressed up in the whole Ryu gear or whatever like that, and he's like he's like okay, we have to kind of realize what your what your names of your moves are, and he's like he's the one where it's where he swings his feet, you know, his foot like he spins his foot, and he's like I can't even do it. And he's just like you know whatever. And like Pete Holmes is like, right, yeah. what are you saying there? He's like, I want a fruit cup. And I mean, it's just, and they just go back and forth. It's absolutely <laughs> hilarious. So um, check that out. Um, but as far as Ryu goes, once again, Ryu reminds me of of, of Raiden without the actual lightning. Um, I, I like his move set. His move sets are not hard. It's not it's not hard to pull off. But if you can pull out his combos, he becomes almost virtually unstoppable. Um, just because of how he can move. A lot of people who also like Ryu like Guile. I couldn't get into Guile, um, so I stick with my man Ryu. I really do. Now, the only cool thing about Guile was the, the Sonic Boom move, and he had the, the huge flat yep. top. I, other than that, like I, he didn't do it for me. I was always, um, I'd always go with Dallasong, uh-huh. because I figured I was really bad at it, so I figured if I could stay as far away from possible and, as possible and still hit you, that I had an advantage. Mm-hmm. It never actually worked out that way, but that was nope. always my thinking behind yep. it. Yep. Do you remember the um, the best line in the Street Fighter movie? Uh, you ever never see? saw it. You never saw it. Uh, so Jean Claude Van Damme plays Guile, and you got the guy that's playing M Bison, and the and then the guy behind it that plays Zhang Heath. 
Um, they're watching on closed circuit TV, and there's a missile coming right at them, right like right at the camera that that's uh, you know at them because they're just right on the other wall. And Zangief out of nowhere he just goes, "Okay, quick, change channel." <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, don't don't check out the Street Fighter movie though because it's really horrible. No, that's one of those like you really want to hate yourself. That and yeah. Super Mario Brothers. It's like I I know enough. Like usually I'll I'll watch these movies because they're like. Mm-hmm. pop culture from phenomenon and how bad they are mm-hmm. but like those are just two that i know are are just complete trash and not even worth the the knowing what's going on in them to to be up on the, any jokes that go around like it's not worth it absolutely absolutely the thing i liked about going to arcades is that you, whenever you'd go to an arcade it wasn't the same as the last one you know, there were no two arcades that were exactly the same or like there were pizza shops with they'd only have three arcade games in them and you know, there were just all these places with stand-up arcade games that you could go, and you never really saw. They didn't all have the same games, but there were always these games that were at every one, and, you know, those always just drew me. It was like The Simpsons and Rampage. I would always make sure I, if they were, if I was in an arcade with those games, I made sure I played them. Um, what, for you, were those games at? Whatever arcade you were in, you made sure you found where that machine was and got your turn on it. Um, uh, obviously Mortal Kombat. Um, I loved I loved Mortal Kombat. Um, I could I could pass on the Street Fighter and the Marvel versus Capcom. Um, so you know they were they were okay. Uh, but if there was a Mortal Kombat they, there, I had to play the Mortal Kombat, um, especially if they had like the newer ones. So I remember the first time I saw that Mortal Kombat Two was in arcade. I was like, holy shit, Mortal Kombat Two. Um, so that one, um, ironically, and we talked about this a little earlier, was was the Turtles. I love to be able to team up. With, uh, you know, if somebody else had an extra quarter or, or something like that and wanted to do that, just to see how far you can get into Turtles. Um, just because that's what I, was hot back then. I agree on Ninja Turtles. The only problem with uh, growing up, I there was only one place I knew that had the Ninja Turtles game. I never saw it anywhere else, and that was the Chuck E. Cheese in Jacksonville, Florida. That was the only one anywhere near me that had the Ninja Turtles game. So anytime I went there, I made sure to play it. Um, but like the Simpsons and Rampage, that was kind of the same thing with those is, is you had up to four players mm-hmm. and it was just, you, whoever wanted to get on, you got on and, and you played and saw how much in Rampage, you saw how much you could destroy mm-hmm. in the Simpsons. Like you said, it, you just want to see how far you can get and, uh, who, who can help you get further. And then I, I do have to throw out an honorable mention. So, um, there was a there's yeah. a there's a place uh, I, I grew up in you know I'm from Chicago, uh, so there's a place uh, from the in the suburbs there's a place called Hollywood Park, and this is the only place I've ever saw this game, and it was Michael Jackson's Moonwalker, and it was literally um, him dressed up in his smooth criminal um, suit, and each player was a different color. And you had like lightning or you had a different ability that popped out and you were just going through and you were doing dance moves and beating up bad guys. It was it was such a fun game. But the problem is, is that you got to play it and so many people wanted to play that game that nine times out of ten when you went to Hollywood Park, it was broken. Uh, until finally they just got rid of it um, after probably about two or three years. Um, but that, that that has to be an honorable mention. I know that there's more than one copy of it, but uh, it was such a good. I'm gonna have to good, look that one up. Yep, Mortal. Uh, what is it? Yeah, uh, Michael Jackson Moonwalker. Michael Jackson Moonwalker. Yep, writing it down now. <laughs> um, yeah, that that sounds awesome, and I hope I can find it and play it. 
Another one that I've recently got, so I always like playing Space Invaders. Um, that was one that I would make sure I'd play. I like Space Invaders over Galaga, even though they're pretty much the same game. I, I don't know why, I just like Space Invaders better. Um, and then one that I've gotten into recently after reading Ready Player One is um, Joust, which I had never really heard mm-hmm. of. And the way they describe it in the book, I was like, this game sounds awesome. I've got to play it. So I've found it, and now I've been playing it a lot. And it's very difficult and crazy, but I love playing it. Because it, it's just one of those like classic games where it doesn't matter that you're winning. It's just fun to, to play. And when quarters aren't really an option, it, it doesn't matter that you're terrible at it. It, it kind of it throws that whole thing, um, that thought process of when it comes to retro gaming to now games is... Um, some of the best games are just not that complicated. They're just, the difficulty level is high. Um, you know, so, you know, I'll, I'll take like, a um, like to me, Dark Souls, Dark Souls to me is not that complicated of a game. Um, you, you might get a little, you, you might get a little, you know, uh, tricky when it comes to trying to find out what your build wants to be and all of that. But the concept of it is not that hard. The actual playing of the game is hard. Um, and that's what I think mm-hmm. kind of pulls people in. Um, uh, Dead Cells. I don't know if you've heard of uh, that, that new one for, for Switch. Same exact thing. It is not a complicated game at all. Um, the stats, the, the stuff that you're doing is not complicated. But the actual gameplay of it is so addicting and so hard that it's so much fun. Uh, and I think that that's right. kind of where Joust comes in is that there's – there's nothing complicated about the game. It's just a, it's just a tough game to play. Right. Yeah. And it, but but it, it's endlessly when you don't have to worry about how many quarters you're spending on it. It's endlessly fun. Like I could probably sit and play that game for an hour just trying to figure out how to beat the ostriches. Yep. Yep. Um. Yeah. Ostriches. So yeah, that's that's another one that I've come on to recently that I really enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um. Have you? I'm sure in Chicago you probably have more of us more of this than we do where I live. Um, how do you feel about, bar- now there's two different types of this, the barcades that they're making today. So one is your Dave and Busters and your, the other is I've seen these starting to pop up is where they're actually old school arcades with beer. So you have real games that you can play um, versus what Dave and Busters is. Um, first off, I have never been to a Dave and Busters. I know what they are. Oh no, I take that back. I have been to a Dave and Busters. Um, to me, it reminds me of a, of a grown-up Chuck E. Cheese. Um, yes, that's what it is. And I am not the biggest fan of, of that. Um, I always thought that that was kind of a eh, you know, type sort of niche that people were able to kind of hold on to. Um, but as far as the barcades go, um, the other kind that you're talking about are the beercades. Um, I think it's, Beer kids. I, I think it's, it's an absolutely wonderful, wonderful idea. Um, I, I can't remember the, the, and I don't want to try to promote a, a, another place, but there is, there is one place here that actually my really good buddy, he was getting married and, uh, him and his wife, we, big gamers, all of that. We actually had the rehearsal dinner at, at a beer cade. Um, and it was, nice. it was amazing. It was so much fun. And I can't remember what it was, uh, what it was called. Um, but it was just so much fun to just kind of walk in because these were – you didn't necessarily have to play. These were just like go up and play a game. They're free um, you know, type sort of thing. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. I mean, there, I yeah. mean some games were 
some of the arcade games, you know, you had to pay tokens or whatever like that. But I would say probably about 70% of these games were absolutely free. And I absolutely loved, I loved it. Um, not because it was free or um, cheap or anything like that, but um, just to be able to pull up with your friend and say, hey, we're going to play this. And yet I have a beer in my hand while I do it. Um, I think that's one thing that we kind of lost with online play is that whole land party or local you know when when you were i'm 34 getting I'm not, getting four friends on a game of teenage mutant ninja turtles exactly you know I, I mean i'm 34 i don't know how old you are but you know on a friday hey we're gonna have a sleepover and, and we're gonna come and we're gonna play until two thirty, three o'clock in the morning and we're gonna play the same game but we all have to be in the same room to play it and we're all on one screen mm-hmm. you know um, and that, oh, yeah. that was so much fun. Um, it was it was actually kind of interesting. So we do have a Save Point podcast Discord. So you can actually find the link on there uh, or on our iTunes or, or when you go to Podbean. And if you join us, um, I have a lot of my local friends that are on it, obviously, because they, they like to support and they like to listen to the podcast. Um, and one of the things that we actually did was – and it started with Monster Hunter. There was a, a Monster Hunter that came out on the 3DS. Uh, I believe it was Generations. And we all kind of basically said, why don't we all get together at somebody's house and spend the weekend? Now, this is 40 years ago, so I'm 30 years old, 31 years old. All my other friends are you know, between 28 and 30 or whatever like that. But it was just like, yeah, and I mean, we had a drunken stupor because you know there was so much beer and all of that. But, yeah. but it was great. Like, I mean, they just came over and and they camp and we camped out and we had TVs on and we had systems and it just felt so cool to kind of have that atmosphere. So we actually try to do this uh, two or three times a year now uh, when we can break away for a weekend. If somebody can come for the whole weekend, if somebody can come for just a night or a day, you know, just kind of coming in and we just, you know, bring what you want. We actually, our last one that we had was uh, actually another Monster Hunter. It was when Monster Hunter World came out and um, I actually have a picture of, of my basement. I, I, I'm very fortunate to have a very, very big basement. I can host a lot of people. Uh, we actually had nine TVs and nine consoles all lined up wow. around, yeah, around <laughs> the perimeter of, of my basement. And everybody is, and we're all playing with each other, you know, playing, playing the game with each other. Um, so I mean, it was just, it was just so much fun. Like this, just that. I, so I think these beer caves are just a, an awesome experience to kind of go back to childhood of of what we what we grew up as, as gamers because you also realize too that these developers that were making games um, and these developers that, that started this industry have grown with us. So mm-hmm. it's it, it's not like we're it's not like the generation now that they're walking into the gaming industry and saying these things exist. We saw the progression of what. Um, we saw the progression of what the industry became to this online mecca of what it is now. Um, so some of these kids now that grow up, they'll never know what a land party was. They'll never know what it felt like to stay up with your friends playing on, you know, on an eight bit system or a 16 bit system, um, you know, together and, and pa- trying to get to trying to get to world eight in, in Mario. Exactly. Or passing the controller because you're playing a one player game and you guys are, mm-hmm. you guys are helping each other out because you just want to beat the game, not because you're not wor- not because you're worried about your own score, you know. Right. Uh, so, sorry, I kind of rambled yeah, on with no, that one. No, you're good. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I completely agree. I'm not a fan. Like, uh, 
Dave and Buster's and, and those types of places, they're like fun to hang out at for like an hour. And then you're like, all right, I spent 50 bucks. I have 300 tickets and I can get a pencil. Yep. Like I, I'm not a fan of ticket based games like ski, ski ball and Papa shot will always be endlessly fun, mm-hmm. but like they're fun one time mm-hmm. and they're fun to, to spend your 50 cents or your dollar on. I, I don't want to sit there and that be my whole night, but, it, but they're they're fun if, when you want to you impress your girlfriend or or boyfriend or, right. or whatever whatever you 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 know whatever, whatever you came with exactly or, or they're fun to challenge if you came with a group of friends they're fun to challenge each other who can get the highest score but it, it it's only like one time like you don't want to sit there and oh I got fifty this time next guy's got to get fifty two oh you got fifty two now I need to go again I don't want to do that yeah but like with these other games where you, at at beercades or arcades back in the day you would just go and you would you would play and mm-hmm. you would play games with no point like that you had no chance of ever beating because you didn't have enough quarters or there were other people waiting like you would just play it you'd play for your you know five minutes or whatever and then it was somebody else's turn and you'd come back to it you know later when you got more quarters and that's the thing we don't where i live in florida we don't have any beer cades and the first one i saw was when i was in orlando a couple weeks ago but i i knew like they had to exist because everything exists pretty much at this Mm -hmm. point and it was always my idea of, like, that was my lottery idea. Is I'm just going to set up every arcade game I can find, every console I can find, just get a big building, and that's all it is. Mm-hmm. You pay a membership fee, you don't have to pay for the games, you come in and you play. Mm-hmm. Um, but, so that's, when I started seeing those popping up, I was like, I want one of the, like, I would be there every weekend if this were available to me. I would go and I would play arcade games and just hang out and... Like, I don't really like spending time with people, but if I could spend time with people and just jump on a game of NBA Jam with them, I would. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. I I cannot agree with you with you more on that. It's just, you know, it's bragging rights. That's what it came, That's what it comes down to with those types of games. It's bragging rights. You know, I was able. It's it's bragging rights, and it's it's let's see how far we can get to in in some of these other games. You know, mm-hmm. X Men, Simpsons, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Let's see how far we can get. Yep. Let's see who's better, and and you rack up a score while you're going, but your score doesn't really matter because you're both or all four in it together trying to get to the end. Absolutely, absolutely. Ah, I miss those days. <laughs> Me too, man. Me too. Um. So let's move on to at home consoles. Uh, you are the the expert on this area, so you run through everything you want to run through on at home consoles. When you get to Atari, I'll jump in. Okay. So my first at home console. Um, I kid you not, was a computer. It was my father's. It was a Zenith. Um, I couldn't give you any specs on it. Um, all I know is that it ran off 3.5 floppies, um, uh, if you remember what those are. Um, and yep. my favorite game on there was a game called Castle. Um, and Castle, basically, you were... I don't know if you remember the old DOS computers. That's what it was. It was a DOS computer. Um, so it didn't have any windows. Yep, I had one. So you had one. So you know exactly what I'm talking about. So remember the old, the, like the emojis that, you know, or what were their smiley faces? Like you would have one that was an outline and then you have one was like kind of filled in or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. So in this game, Castle, basically it was, um, you would go through and you would find, it was a text-based game, but you would actually see it like on the half of the screen, um, you would actually see your little guy, which was just a little head. 
and you would move it and you would find things that are sitting. So it could, like, it could be a plus sign. So you would go up to the plus sign and you would hit left on it and then the text would say, you have picked up a sword. Um, and then you could go into another thing and, and you would find another person moving around and it'd be like, werewolf is hunting you, you know, type sort of things. And, and, um, and basically the thought of it was, uh, the, the premise of the game was to get out of the castle and find a way out of the castle. Um, so I remember that. I, I really can't tell you anything more than that. It's just I just remember playing hours and hours and hours of that. Um, and that's what really kind of started to hook me on video games. Um, yeah, that sounds like a very fun one to just get lost in. Yeah, it was. It seems like you, you, like you said, you just play for hours and mm-hmm. you'd feel like you were getting somewhere even if you weren't. Um, and then there was a game called Commander Keen that came out. Um, and Commander Keen, you were this boy that fell asleep, um, or not fell asleep, but during the night, aliens came down to Earth, and you had to go through different levels, and you had to get rid of the aliens before the night time, before night became um, day, uh, and would ruin the whole world. Um, and, and it was like one of those like his helmet was was a football helmet. You know, um, so you just go through as a 2D stroller. Uh, scroller. Uh, there was a couple of them, but no, Commander Keen was was one of my another favorite game of mine. Um, and then I remember waking. Uh, it was a Christmas. Um, in fact, the first couple of my first couple of um, of consoles that I had pre NES were actually Christmas presents. Um, I remember waking up, and um, I remember. Uh, Christmas and my dad saying, Hey, there's something else downstairs. Um, and I went downstairs and, uh, we had like, you would walk down a set of stairs and you could either turn left and you would go into our living room or you could turn right and go into like our laundry room. And then my dad had kind of like a little office area that like storage office area. And what he did was he kind of mm-hmm. moved around and he got this, once again, this old Zenith TV, big tube TV and wrapped under just put under a piece of uh gift wrap uh like you know like wrapping paper was an atari system um and just all of these games i had no idea where he got it from i know that it was used because i know that there was no box he had like three or he had four controllers he had four joysticks um and then there was probably god there had to be about 13 games 13 14 games um that we played that's where i fell in love with pitfall um, and I played. I never played Pitfall because uh, Atari was the first one we had at home. Uh, it was my parents; they had it before either me or my brother were born. Um, so they had it, and then just every once in a while they would plug it in, and they, we probably had fifteen games, like you said, mm-hmm. and we would just play for a few hours and then put it away because th- those were games that you jump in and out of, like it didn't mm-hmm. you were ever making it anywhere in them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Pitfall was one that I, I never we didn't have that one because okay. that was it. Like at that time, it was. Here's your 15 games. These are the games you have, and these are the ones you play. Correct. There wasn't like you couldn't go rent them at the at the Redbox or at Blockbuster even at that point because like later with PlayStation stuff you could go to Blockbuster and you could get a game for a weekend. Mm-hmm. But there were these are your 15 games. Maybe you're lucky uh, if you're at a flea market sometime you might find a couple more. But for the most part, these are your games. This is what you're gonna play. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so Pitfall was one of my bigger ones, uh, that I played. Uh, Dig Dug was another one. Uh, and, um, I would really kind of say, I mean, Frogger, we had the Frogger and, uh, there was one game and I want to call, I want to say it was called Centipede, but I know it wasn't Centipede. Um, 
And basically, it was kind of a premise of you had to move through tunnels and you had to make sure that the tunnel didn't fall on you and, and all of that. And as you would dig through certain things and, and all that. So it was a lot of fun. Um, so I, and I remember I remember my dad, this was it was I had it for about a year. And uh, my dad came down and he was playing with it. My dad's never really been that big of a gamer. Uh, he never really kind of knew the draw of it. Um, but, you know, me being his son, he kind of wanted to get into it um, with me. So he was playing one time. And what happened was, I don't know if the controller got wrapped on him or whatever. He ended up getting up and he moved and the whole Atari system just fell off. Oh, no. Yeah, so it just it just broke. Um, so he was he was devastated and... Um, yeah, we, I, I never came from a rich family, so it wasn't like they could just go out and get another one. Um, yeah. and you know, and back then, you know, I, you know, I still believed in Santa Claus and, and all of that, you know, sorry if there's any kids listening, but, um, Santa Claus is real. Um, but, uh, <laughs> it'll be coming soon. It'll be coming soon. Um, so, I mean, I know that it was hard. Uh, it was a hardship for my parents once I kind of found that out. And, um, that next year, um, that's when the Sega Genesis started really kind of kicking in and Nintendo had come out and all of that. And I really, really, really wanted one. And I know that my parents couldn't afford one. Um, so this is, this is the console came out pre NES. Um, mm-hmm. but I got it when the NES was already released. Um, and that was the Sega master system. Um, and I played the shit out of that console. I was in love with it. I absolutely loved everything about it. Um, my favorite game, which I call now, I, I call now this was the original Dark Souls, if you want to call it, and that was uh, Kensenden or Kensiden, K E N S E I D E N, and basically you're a samurai. Uh, literally, the the word in Japanese means uh, sword saint legend or legend of the sword master, um, and basically you were. It was a 2D platformer, side scroller. And it was hack and slash, and you had you were this samurai, and you went through, and it was probably the closest thing to what would be rated a mature rating. Um, yeah. And it was just it was just such a great game, such a great game. I played that game. I think I've beaten that game probably. If I have to pick a game that I've beaten the most of in my lifetime, it's probably been that game. Um, just because I would I would beat it, and then I'd start it all over again. Just because it was that good. I'm looking. I had never even really heard of Sega Master System, but I'm looking at it on Wikipedia right now. Mm-hmm. So this was the first one that had like a real directional pad and and buttons, as opposed Correct. to like Atari had your joystick and your one button. That you, maybe maybe some games there. Were, I remember there was a joystick mm-hmm. that had two buttons, and there was like the paddle that had two buttons. And but most games didn't use that. Nope. Um, so yeah, that. That looks so. This is a this is technically pre NES, but it looks like it's the same kind of type of system as NES. Yep. 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 It was very I'll very. You, I'll give you your credit on that one. You're giving my credit on that yeah. one. So, <laughs> yeah. So actually, I think if you really look at it, I think maybe it's not. I believe. Let's see. Um, the Nintendo Entertainment System was in 1983 in, in Japan, and the Sega Master System was 1988 in Japan. So I can't even really count that. 
Kind of. I'll give it to you, though, because I had never heard of it, and mm-hmm. you brought something new to me. Oh, it's really? something I'm going to go look for and uh, and try to play now. Oh, it's, it's, it's so such I'll, a good system. I'll allow it here. The, the coolest part, the coolest part about, or one of the coolest parts about this system was that it already had a pre-game loaded. So it was a racing game. It was a, it was a like a motocross racing game. Um, and you didn't have mm-hmm. to put a, you didn't have to put a cartridge in there. Um, you just turned on the system and it automatically loaded that's, for you. Yeah, that's impressive for, yeah. for that time. Exactly. Now this was the other thing too. So I had this for about two or three years and, there was a secret game, and I didn't realize it was a secret game, but it was a secret game. And what you did was, so Sega would come across the screen like it did, like it always did. And as it did that, as it came across the screen, you had to tap the up and the A and B buttons. And then when it actually held and it stopped, you actually had to hold the buttons. And if you did it right, the whole thing would slide to the right or to the left, and you actually had a maze game that you went through. And you had like, awesome. yeah, you actually had certain you know, a certain amount of time to, to make it through the maze. And you just kept going through all these mazes as long as you, you beat it before the time ran out. So that brings up an, another good question. Were you ever a Easter egg hunter? Like, did you go looking for them? Did you read about them in the magazine and want to do them? Or did you just play the game for what it was? I honestly, I was kind of dumb to it. Um, I really didn't mm-hmm. know what they were. Um, and, and the reason being is that when I grew up, so, you know, like I said, my father got me my systems. Um, or my mom and dad for Christmas got me my systems, but I was, um, my father and my mother were very much on the, if you can be outside, you're going to be outside type sort of thing. Yeah. I was the same way. Yeah. So we would get, we would get 30 minutes at a time to play video. Like I would get 30 minutes and my brother would. And like, sometimes we could combine our 30 minutes mm-hmm. if we want to play a game together. Correct. Um, so I would be able to play these games and all of that, but I was always playing baseball or I was, um, you know, at, during the winter I was playing, um, you know, basketball or, or something like that when I really kind of got into video games. Um, and then I ended up getting, um, it was, long story short, I ended up getting a, a used Nintendo system, um, from my aunt. It was my cousins, um, who is, who actually got me really, really into the Nintendo scene. Uh, my cousin Mike, um, and he, uh, he basically, what he did was he, got a super nintendo and he gave me his nintendo his nes um and basically all the games that he had he gave them to me so there was one christmas i woke up and i had a nintendo system an nes system and i had i kid you not i probably had 40 games that came right off the bat nice yeah just because That's he gave christmas yeah it was um so i kind of got into that uh, so i kind of kind of just flew flew through so when I kind of figured out what Easter eggs were, I kind of was already past a lot of those older games that I didn't want to go back to and try to find the Easter egg. Right. Yeah, they're not they're not worth playing just for that per like yeah. they're fun to go back and play, but you're not going to spend hours looking for this mm-hmm. some somebody's name written correct, you know, on the last page that you'd never you'd never find like going through the game. You like if you're if you're going to replay these games, I'm the same way. I I never looked for them and like I wasn't a Nintendo Power subscriber or anything like that so I, I I was ignorant to their existence for the most part and you'd hear kind of rumors of oh there's a secret thing and you can do this and it's like mm-hmm. all right or I can just play and have fun and and that's that was the other when, thing too is I actually ended up taking like a hiatus from gaming so I had like the NES and I had the Super Nintendo cuz like I said I played N- NBA Jam um 
and that was really kind of about it. And then I really started to get into sports, like I said, and, and other things. Uh, and I took a long break all the way up to a PlayStation. I never owned an N64. I never owned a Genesis. Um, I never owned a Virtual Boy or, or a GameCube or anything like that. Um, I went straight to a PlayStation, and I didn't even know I didn't even know what a PlayStation was. Um, you know, it was kind of once again it was a Christmas present. <laughs> I'm telling you, all yeah, my all, we got ours. Yeah, all my consoles came as Christmas presents, and it was one um, that my parents thought that we would like, and they got it for us. And the first game that they got for us was Madden '94 or Madden '92 or whatever it was, and so I right. played Madden. Um, so I really never kind of got into the adventure games until I really kind of to ex- started to explore again what the PlayStation can do. And th- and then by the time that really kind of hit is when I kind of really started researching the Easter eggs and and all of that. And then I kind of went back to my old systems to to kind of find some of these, but never really ever back to once the, the internet was there and the information was easily easy to find yeah yeah exactly exactly we we were the same way so we had an atari that belonged to my parents and then we had we got an nes i think my brother got it for his birth same situation as you it was used um i think because my mom was a, a basketball and volleyball coach so it was like somebody on her team front that was in high school like didn't want it anymore so we got it basically um probably 20 games with that when we got it and then we didn't get anything new until playstation and we got that on christmas uh-huh. and it, the only reason we knew about it is because our friend down the road had one he had one for six months or whatever before we did and i mean we didn't even get a game for for the playstation for a while we we just wore out the uh the demo disc that came with it pretty uh-huh. much uh-huh. yep you're you're right we had madden and the you, demo got, disc. you got 12 you got you got one level of 12 games and you just Go, go, go for it. Exactly. It, it, so my, that's actually where the ahead. demo disc is where I actually um, played Metal Gear Solid. There was a demo disc yep. with the original it's Metal Gear Solid demo disc. Yeah, probably. And I, I and I would just I played the the crap out of it. And, and by the time I actually got the game, I was like, oh my god, I can't believe how expansive this game is. Um, and it, but I mean, I, I was. I was kind of already like a pro at it because I probably played the demo a thousand times. Uh, and I got to the yeah. point where I was kind of just like, you know, like you got so good in a level that you would just kind of play around in it and be like, oh, okay, I could do this. And this guy still doesn't see me. And, you know, I knock the guy out and wait for him to wake back up. And then I hide again and knock him out again. <laughs> yeah, you, you find the, because you can only play that one level, you find these little challenges you can give to yourself yep. within that level. Yep. Uh, yeah, that that was always a fun. And then there was on that same demo disc, there was a demo for Medieval. Yep. Uh, where you're like this little skeleton guy yep. walking around. It's just an adventure game. And that was that was a timed one. So I would always just see how far I could. Like sometimes I would go and explore everything I could in the time, and the other times I would see how far I could get on the the path because it was yep. like kind of open world, but there was a linear path you were supposed to follow. Mm-hmm. So that one was always fun to play. Yep. Going back to Atari real quick. I just want to go over some of my favorite games. Okay. Um, one of my all time favorites was Berserk, which would apparently give you seizures if you ever beat it. Luckily <laughs> I never got that far. Did you ever play Berserk? Um, I would have to look it up. I don't remember it. I don't remember any seizure causing games. Well, so it's it's this. You're a little robot, and you move around with the joystick, and you got your one button to shoot your gun at other robots. And there's like three or four robots on each screen, and it's kind of a maze that you have to go between screens. And 
like I could see how it would cause seizures because every time you die, like you hit a wall or one of the the villain robots hits you, it just flashes really bright oh, and makes I, this terrible yes. sound. And I remember this game. It's, I didn't realize it was. It's called not Berserk. fun to lose, but yeah, it's not fun to lose. But it, it was a pretty fun game to play and just kind of wander around and. In um, there's another one that I played a lot. Uh, it was a Spider-Man game, and like you said, I'm all in on Spider-Man and have always been. Uh, where you have like you're just in front of a building, and you have to climb up the building, and there's different um, enemies as you go up the building that you have to tackle, and then Green Goblins like flying across the top. Mm-hmm. Have you ever played that one? Yes, the, and that, that was, one that, that was one just was called Spider-Man. Yep, I don't know if I ever got. I think I got past the first level once. Um, but it was still just endlessly fun to climb that building and try and get past it, Green It was so damn hard. God, as being a little yeah. kid, I mean, I mean, get off us now that we're older and we probably would find it easy. But, I mean, now, I mean, it, it's, it, it was hard. It was a hard game. Well, it was hard because, like, you couldn't really point your webbing where you wanted it to go. Correct. Um, so you would try and stick on the building, but really it would hit the window where it doesn't stick, and then you'd fall, and you'd try and... Grab it and grab it and grab it and mm-hmm. just wouldn't happen. Um, and then my last one, I I always like playing tanks. Just the basic. Uh, we had like a sixteen and one, or it probably wasn't. It was probably like an eight and one, where you had tanks and you could you could do um, mm-hmm. submarines, which was really the same. It was just a blue background instead of a red background or whatever. Yep. Uh, but we always had a lot of fun. That was a good multiplayer that me and my brother would play together a lot and. Just see, that was a good see who can win and uh, get bragging rights for the rest of the week, pretty much. Yeah, my my cousin and I used to play tanks all the time when he would come over. Um, we'd always play tanks, and, and yeah, that was that was a great game. So yeah, that was. Um, did you have any other uh, honorable mentions that you want to mention pre NES time that you played at a friend's house or anything like that? Um, no, I I don't think so. Um. I remember that there was a Cookie Monster game, um, and basically it was just so you could eat all these cookies. But um, I can't. They remember. still have that. My daughter plays that on a tablet now. Oh, really? <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. That's awesome. I mean, I think that would be just an honorable mention because it was that was just one of those. You know, you just get so good at it. You know, you don't even have to look at the screen anymore. Um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, I, I think that I think that would be about it. God, this this has been thinking about. It. I kind of want to. I kind of want to see if I can find an Atari now. Find an Atari and find a way to... They have like a... I My parents got me one a few years ago. It's like a... It's basically like the NES Classic for Atari that comes mm-hmm. with the 80 games or whatever built in. I don't know why they limited it to 80. I'm sure on a 16 gigabyte hard drive, you could probably fit every game that was ever created, but... Absolutely. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm not making it. Um. So yeah, the, the, you can find them. They're in like Target and on Amazon. If if you do want to go back and revisit some of those old games, mm-hmm. I tried to get my daughter into playing it. Uh, she's four, and she didn't like the. We tried a couple games on the Atari. She she wasn't for it, but she'll play some Nintendo games every once in a while. Oh, very nice. She's a little very young nice. to get into older ones, but yeah, we're I'm, I got to start them early. I have I have almost a two year old daughter, and uh, she loves to sit on my lap when I play Switch, um, and she'll just mm-hmm. stare at it. Um, or uh, she has now. 
uh, when I pick up a PlayStation controller. I have an old PlayStation 3 controller that I give her, and she'll kind of sit on the couch yep. as, as long as her attention allows her to. And uh, we'll, you know, pretend that she's playing with me and all of that. So we've got a couple pictures of it. So you got to start them young, man. got to start them young. Yeah, we'll do that with uh, my two-year-old. We'll give her the, the controller that's not plugged into anything. But my, my four-year-old, she can actually... Uh, there's a couple games. There's like some Mickey Mouse games and uh, some Sesame Street games for Nintendo that she can play, and she'll sit there and play. Mm-hmm. She'll go through them, and she gets really excited when she wins, which is really easy, and that's that's always fun to watch and see her figure it out. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, so you got about another year. She'll be able to play uh, the NES Classic with you. There we go. I, I I'm looking forward to it. I really am. All right. Uh, that's all we got for part one of old school video games. Um. Thank you, Dan, from the save point. Uh, you want to give your plugs again one more time just so people remember where to find you. Absolutely. And, and just before I do that, I just want to say thank you for having me on yours um, on, on uh, a podcast about something. It, this has been such a such a fun time reminiscing about retro games. I hope uh, I hope we can collaborate again on, on another project. I really do. Um, but yes, like we might bring you back for part three or four, too. Awesome. Awesome. I'm, I'm looking forward to I've already to got it. a guest for part two, but I'll... We, we might be bringing it back for three or four because this was good. Absolutely. I, I look I look absolutely forward to it. Uh, but, yes, please check out the Save Point podcast. Uh, we put out everything. Uh, we don't necessarily have a date that we put everything out, but we, we are on a weekly type sort of thing, so basically every week. Um, or you can just hit that subscribe button on iTunes or on Google Play or, or Podbean or wherever you're at and automatically download to your mobile device or, or whatever it is. Um, we do have a, a, a link to our Discord uh, on every on every site that you go to, that link is there. So please join our Discord. It's a lot of fun. There's a lot of great people on there. A lot of great discussion. Um, podcast. Uh, we you know we give you a voice on what you want to hear us talk about on the podcast. Um, we had a couple of people kind of submit you know just um, you know topics, and we actually talked about them. So um, so it's very open. So please check us out, Save Point Podcast. Um, and once again, just thank you for having me. All right. Thanks a lot. And now, it's time for the two-minute two ISO. I watched Super Troopers 2 recently, and um, I did not have high hopes for it going in, but it was actually pretty funny. Um, the You know, the guys from Broken Lizard are always great. I love all their movies. Super Troopers, Club Dread. Um, they got one called The Slam and Salmon, which not a lot of people have seen. They did parts in the Dukes of Hazard movie. That was pretty bad, but they had the best parts of it. Um, they're just... They're always funny, they play really well off of each other, and um, it, it doesn't fail in Super Troopers 2. They they come back, they do a lot of callbacks to jokes in the first movie, which it could get a little old. I wasn't I wasn't paying great attention to it, so maybe that's why it wasn't like, oh, this is just the same joke from the first movie. But honestly, the jokes were funny, and you go back and watch Super Troopers, they're still funny, and, and now you watch it in Super Troopers 2, and they're still actually pretty funny. Um, I wouldn't recommend watching Super Troopers and then Super Troopers 2 right back to back because you're going to run into this. They're making the exact same joke over and over again. But if you watch them, like if you haven't seen Super Troopers in a while and you queue up Super Troopers 2, you'll definitely get a laugh from it. Um, the plot's kind of stupid, but that's kind of what Broken Lizard does. They, um, the, so the Super Trooper guys are hired to, there's a, town in Canada which is getting annexed into the U.S. because of some border dispute and it's not really going to be a dispute because the you know the mayors of the towns and have figured it out and what to do with it but in the meantime while the transition is going on they need a police force 
Um, so the guys from Super Troopers go to be the police force for that after being, you know, fired from their local job in Vermont years previous because of an incident that happened with Fred Savage, which is pretty funny. Um, they, they come back into police work by going to this town in Canada and being the policemen there and hijinks ensue as they have, um, some run-ins with the local Mounties and things like that. And, uh, they have a mystery to solve about some contraband that is, uh, going to go up in value based on the fact that it's legal in Canada, but it's not legal in the U S. So it's, it's a fun romp. It's a good way to spend an hour and 45 minutes. Um, it's a perfect length. You know, they don't run too long. Like a lot of comedies today do. Usually I'm not a fan of the comedy sequel, especially the comedy sequel after what it's been 12, 13 years now. No, it's been almost 20 years, I think since the original super troopers. So yeah, that's a long gap. And, um, the, the broken lizard guys definitely don't lose a step. Um, Beer Fest, that's another one. Good movie from Broken Lizard is Beer Fest. Anyway, the Broken Lizard guys don't lose a step. They still have the same, um, cachet and they have the same, you know, back and forth between each other. Um, it's always good to see him rag on Farva and, uh, you know, just, it, it's good to have the gang back. It, it feels a lot better to have this gang back than it did, like, going back to Anchorman 2. That, for some reason, Anchorman 2 didn't work as well as this worked, at least in my opinion. Um, anyway, thank you for listening. If you're on iTunes, rate, review, subscribe, and all that, uh, you can follow us on Twitter at APA something and send feedback through emails, a podcast about something at gmail.com. Stay classy.